Talk Radio. Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, August 30th. Thank you guys for tuning in. We are excited, very excited, actually, about tonight's show. Um, but before we introduce our guest, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Denise. Let me bring her on the line here. Good evening, everyone, and thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, we want to thank all of our listeners from around the world from for joining us each and every week and also for joining us on the playback. So for those of you who are listening tonight and would like to join the conversation, you can join us um, here on the phone line by calling 914-803-4399. Again, that's 914-803-4399. And if you would like to speak, um, please make sure you press the number one uh, when, um, when prompted to. Also, you can join us on Twitter. We will be having a tweet chat over on Twitter, so you can join uh, that tweet chat. We are beauty underscore talk, and we're using the hashtag the Black Creatives Experience. Again, that's the Black Creatives Experience, and we're beauty underscore talk on Twitter. All right. Before we jump into the conversation, just gonna um, <clears throat> we have an ad from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be um, introduce our guest. How would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about friendsbeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At Friends Beauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skin care, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our friends discount program and shop with us today at friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818-691- 1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today. All right. We are back. And again, we are excited about tonight's show. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, I'm going to introduce our guests tonight. Let me let them all on the line first. All right. We have with us tonight, we have Miss Jennifer Ivey, um, Jelani Remy. That's Marika right. Roland. Hi. <laughs> That's Hi. right. Hello, beautiful people. <laughs> hello. 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 <laughs> we have Marika. <laughs> we have Marika Roland. And, um, and um, we also have Miss Afton Battle on the line. Um, I would like for you all to introduce yourself, um, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then also, this is one of the questions that we've been asking all of our guests um, since we've been doing this series. We just want to know, in your opinion, what is the state of the industry as it relates to race, equality, and diversity? Can you give us a little bit about what you think, um, where, where do you think the industry is with that right now? 
and anybody can start. I'm going to say ladies first on this one. <laughs> okay, I'll start. My name is Marika Rowland. That is who I am, what I do. Currently, I am a fine arts teacher in the public school system. Um, I teach uh, high school chorus, piano, and dance. And, um, of course, I'm a former performer, so it makes that a um, little bit easier. Uh, in my opinion, the state of the industry, I feel like there's a bit more empowerment happening. I think... Um, Black people are coming into, we're really starting to feel our power and exercising that power. On the flip side, I feel like there's a lot of performative um, things happening when people use the buzzwords diversity and inclusion. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think in the process of us taking our power back, we can start to uh, create our own path instead of trying to um, beg people to see us and hear us. Um, instead of putting the black boxes, they will actually speak with a black person and ask, what do you need, instead of giving us what they believe that we want. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go next. Um, my name is Afton Battle. I am the executive director at Black Theater Coalition. I am a classically trained singer, um, so that plays into me answering the question of the state of the industry. As someone who has straddled the line of classical performing arts as well as theatrical performing arts, uh, whether it's by performing myself or in a workspace, the state of the industry is how I like to refer to it as uh, they are on call. Um, everyone has been called to the table to stand up for not only what they say that they do, but to stand up for what um, the black community and black creative deserve, uh, to stand up for what we have been missing what we have been calculated out of the equation for so long. Uh, I do feel like there is a lot of empowerment happening. I feel like there is a huge shift in the atmosphere. I feel as though there are waves that are starting and starting to gain momentum and tidal waves really happening in the industry, whether it is in theater, dance, uh, visual arts, performing arts, um, a lot of black creatives are feeling like they finally have more than just the stub of a leg to stand on. Uh, And it's, it's very refreshing to see. It's very challenging to also see and be a part of, um, but it's also very, very rewarding in a way. Jennifer? Yes. Um, My name is Jennifer Ivey, and I am a former hair and makeup supervisor for The Lion King, and um, I, the state of the uh, industry, I honestly feel now um, I have to agree with uh, Marika about the empowerment, most definitely. And I honestly think now that we'll actually be heard, you know, as far as getting to the table and you know, people listening to what we want and just to be a part of of things. Work. Now it's my turn. Hey, everybody. (laughs) My name is Jelani Remy. I am a New York City actor currently playing the role of Eddie Kendricks in Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times, The Temptations. And looking in on all this, I have to say that I think that the theater community is in a critical condition. Um, in this pandemic and from the top 
the arts not being as appreciated and as essential with the support. Many people have to go back home and not be here at the epicenter where, you know, theaters are, are prominent. And I think that a lot of people are having to make other options because they're, they, we don't have the funds to go on. However, I think that the arts plays a pivotal role in, you know, giving people an escape and sort of a revelation as to what's going on. And that's what makes us essential. So it's a, it's a, it's a very critical thing because we are, we are a, a movement. We are, you know, a heartbeat to feeling and creation and evolution. And unfortunately, because of the situation, we're having to survive, not thrive. So it's a very tricky situation that we've been placed in. But I, for one, have hope that we will prevail. And I do think that mm-hmm. it is a, a very important position of, of exploration and discovery and triumph that we can go through. But it, it, it starts at the top. You know, we, we, we need the support from the top. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think that there is a tenacity w- within us artists that will never go out, you know, it's just a, a timing is, is very critical and important and support as well. But again, I have hope and I know that we will prevail because music and art makes you feel an escape and gives you um, mm-hmm. everything you need to go on and to be a better person. So we are essential. Right. Absolutely. Um, taking the conversation to, race and racism, have any of you on the line experienced racism in the theater? How long is this show? How long have we got to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies. They don't call it the great white way for nothing. There is that. The great bright, we're going to call it the great bright way from here on out, right? <laughs> But well, I think I there are little micro things. There have been micro things that we haven't even thought about for a long time. Like I'll give you an example. I know. Even the expression "piece of cake." Did you know where that came from? That came from slaves doing, you know, dances and cakewalks for the slave owners, and the best the best dancer got a piece of cake as a reward. And we throw that phrase out like, "Oh, that's an expression of like that being easy." But little did we know where that phrase exactly came from. So to rethink all of the things that we never had to think about is its own sort of like, wow, that was racism. That was – we didn't even know what that was, but now I do, and that makes me feel a certain type of way. And I do right. feel like in this business we had sort of blinders on to those things because we never had to think about it. We have never had to sit down and think about the structure, the, 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 the struggle and the sort of terminology that – and the everyday thinking. We never had to think about it before, but now we do. Right. Yeah, that's um, incredibly powerful because microaggressions are everywhere, right? And it is a form of racism. And um, I was a part of a show uh, that got a lot of attention, good, bad, or indifferent, um, last year. And as a member of the senior staff, um, as director of development, there were things that I was not made aware of that made fundraising for that particular show very difficult. And I was told things like, oh, it just is what it is. Just go out and do your job. (laughs) Um, You know, and so at the time I was sitting in a position where this was my first senior leader position at a pretty major off-Broadway theater and this show was a huge deal and I as a black person was really being forced to for a lack of a better way of explaining it shuck and jive for the white people to fundraise money Um, and you know the microaggressions from my board members that were very much oh well you speak you you speak you're very well spoken and you're very polite as though I am supposed to be something else. You know, like my parents didn't raise me to be a kind, polite, respectful young lady. You know, I'm from the South, like, you know, let's be honest, you know, like, let's be real here. So um, it, 
for as much as my colleagues and uh, especially my, my, my friends here on this call experienced racism as performers, as the creatives on the stage, and as the creatives behind the stage making everything come to life on stage, the stuff that happens on the other side of the wall, right, in the administrative land is really mind-blowing. It really is mind-boggling, and it is enough to make one uh, want to leave the industry or, you know, really find a place where they feel seen and heard and respected and not really meant to feel like they they are a token, that they are another box to be checked on a grant proposal application. Mm, well, I hate to interject because I'm hyped about this, but like I just learned this term microaggression. I I just figured out microgreens, so I'm trying to figure out like <laughs> microaggressions. Like it's, it's a thing to swallow, but I don't I don't want to put a label on everyone. Do you know what I mean? And it's hard not to, mm-hmm. but I. Somebody, somebody told me that you can't expect a three-month-old to eat fried chicken. Right. So how do we safely express these concerns for someone to understand it that never had to think about it? And that's a, that's a lovely point. I think that it is the responsibility of those who consider themselves the gatekeepers of this art to hear the voices of the people whose stories they want to tell. How many instances have we heard of, you know, you've got an all-white creative team, an all-white producing staff, and right. the, you know, and even an all-white, um, all-white orchestra, and black, blackity, black, black on stage, mm-hmm. and they want to tell you how to sing. Oh, the ink is good. I've heard that so many times. I could bash my forehead. <laughs> into the floor, the ink is good. Well, if, we're, if we are emoting, the emotions are going to jump off of the page. You know, my, if, if my voice is an extension of this particular expression and mm-hmm. I change that, I don't know, I change that half note to two quarter notes and decide that I want to, oh, oh, no, oh, the, the ink is good, the ink is good. You know, and it's like, well, I'm, but, but this is my lived experience. These two quarter notes are my lived experience, but you're imposing right. a half note on me. So that's another microaggression when you've got all of these white people telling you how to tell a story that you've grown up hearing. You were at the knee of the very people whose stories these are. You know, these are our uncles, our aunts, like our blood relatives, you know. And so I I think it is time for them to listen because it's like, oh, I want to tell the story. I'm so excited. I got all this trust fund money, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) That's lovely. But listen. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, before we move on. Yes. I'm sorry. Was that Afton? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So I was just saying before we move on to the next question, um, you know, I also just wanted to say in there. Uh, I I guess it's almost like providing a space or something or recognition for all of those individuals who stood up uh, and expressed this, um, expressed their their feeling when they were put in situations that Mm -hmm. were uh, perpetuating racism, when they were put in situations that were perpetuating white supremacy Mm -hmm. culture, when they were... um, calling out these microaggressions like for every one or two individuals that took it uh, to the level and stood up for that there were there are so many more countless individuals who 
don't, who feel as though they don't have that space to do that because they feel as though they might be, and they very well would be, blacklisted or blackballed in the industry, you know, what have you. Um, it's really interesting to be in this conversation, and we're only really 20 minutes in, because I, I, I hear exactly what everyone is saying from a theater perspective and have been there as an administrator, but then also my perspective as a performer in a classical um, genre that is as equally as terrible um, as theater and knowing that there have been many occasions in which, um, you know, we were doing a Porgy and Bess with an all-white European orchestra and a white conductor who was Mm. trying to tell us how to emote this feeling of joy during, you know, the, uh, the, um, the church scene or even celebration during the funeral scene. And it's like, if one part, if one person in that cast is having a, a high holy experience, we all going to catch the spirit and you just better put the baton down because like mm-hmm. it, it's a wrap, you know? And, um, you know, so it, it is just this, um, it's this collision of experiences, but also really I was making the statement to just recognize for those of us who might be on this call, who might have stood up to those injustices in the theater, just recognizing all the voices who didn't have that, that platform or didn't feel comfortable enough. And I hope that this time that we're in right now, um, in the state of this, in, uh, in the state that the industry is in, and in this moment of pause, and everyone is at attention, that they are listening, and that those individuals mm-hmm. who have felt silenced, you know, for so long, can finally either tell their story and or feel empowered to stand rightfully in their place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jen, did you have something? Well, I was going to say, you know, just based on what you were asking about different experiences I've had in the theater, and, um, you know, like, kind of what Afton was saying is that, you know, you, they're not really addressed, and you don't know, and I don't think people really know how to address them. But um, I had a, a situation where, um, you know, as, as we went through from city to city, I would pick up two local people, and um, our two local people quit by the end of the week because they had a problem with um, actually two brown people telling them what to do or giving them some kind of instruction. And so wow. it became this really big thing. And we ended up having to get, like, you know, two more people that would come and finish the run with us. But, you know, it was never really addressed. But that was totally the mm-hmm. reason why that they quit. Mm-hmm. So what I'm finding, like, with all these different diversity um, committees and things like that that people are starting – I feel like it's going to be a while to get past the conversation of it being comfortable to talk about because it feels like people are not comfortable talking about it because it's something that's always been there, but it's never really been addressed. Do right. you all find that? Mm-hmm. I think it, it's it is. because people haven't aren't used to taking responsibility. And in this situation, everyone involved has some um, has a little bit of responsibility because we've been just been, like you said, we've been sitting around watching it happen. But mm-hmm. now it's as if the world has stopped. Theater has stopped. So now we have the time to address it. And everybody's laid off. So who's, you know, so there's no threat of, oh, you're going to lose your job. Well, I don't have a job. Might as right. well talk for some. Right, right. Right, right. Yeah. But I guess my thing is, like, I just don't know, because I fear 
if there's not a way for people to talk about it or address it in some kind of way, then I fear that it's gonna it's gonna be just pushed under the rug again. You know what I mean? Pushed under the rug. I totally know what you mean, but I have to go back again. It starts at the top. If the top cannot say that Black Lives Matter, what right. are the, what, are the, what are the rest of us supposed to think? What do those people that never had to say it have to think? Well, you're right. You know, that's, um, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. It starts in the top. Uh, it starts at the top. It also starts um, in the boards, right? Um, because the top is the board. The top are the uh, are the funders, are those individuals who are either investing thousands and millions of dollars into a production. If uh, you're talking about, you know, uh, producing houses, the top are the individuals who own these theaters. We know who owns the theaters. The top is um, the artistic staff directors at theaters, um, you know, off-Broadway or just regional theaters as well. And the top is the board because all of those individuals who run the theaters, who um, cast shows, who uh, determine programming, who select creative teams, et cetera, all funnel up and answer to the board. So if you have a board that is uh, – predominantly white, then, you know, the, it's already off balance there. It's already off kilter there. Like, we just have to be honest about that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. not everyone is falling into one category, you know, and we can't say that all boards that are mostly white are all, you know, racist or this, that, and the other, but all boards that are mostly white are going to have an issue saying Black Lives Matter. They're going to have an issue standing um, behind a statement and not just with words, but with actions. Because after the, after the death of Breonna Taylor, after the death of Ahmaud Aubrey, after the death of George Floyd, after the shooting of Jacob Blake, like we have seen these companies, theater companies, we have seen theaters themselves, start to make these statements of solidarity and they are words on paper. And when we start to see action is when we know that it has started to funnel from the top because what happens is someone got with their one or two black staff members or BIPOC staff members and said, we need to write a statement because everyone is doing it. It got really popular. Um, But there has been very little action behind some of those statements. And when Broadway and theater and the performing arts, no matter where you are in this country, comes off pause or we find a way to start to gather again in places where we can perform, where we can have live entertainment, to avoid going back to the quote-unquote way it was all of these individuals and all of these organizations and all these companies who put words on paper have to put action behind it. And mm. in order to put yeah. action behind it, that's got to come from the top. Mm-hmm. That's, that's got to come mm-hmm. from your executive director, your managing directors, your artistic directors. And it coming from those individuals means it comes from the board, means it comes from the investors. Well, let me say so, yeah, that. Shout out to Ain't, shout out to Ain't Too Proud, because um, I will say what you're saying about like not only talking the talk but walking the walk is I knew that I was in a good space when a they would call the producers would call and and check up on you, but then also they said what do you need and they actually gave us um you know donations for charity of our choice mm. and that support oh wow right not not just me it's the cast. They said, "What well, we want to help, and how are you? Like The director, Des Mackinoff, called me to talk about what's going on and to say how amazing it is to be part of a show 
where the Temptations went through this, you know, when they were having their, when they were making music, you know, this whole racial injustice was happening. So to be part of a show where it is so relevant and our mm-hmm. show is blackity black, 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 and unapologetically black, but also the people that support the show and, and create the show, I, I do feel like they have our back and are doing it in a way of support and in a way that they know how, you know, like, but they're open for conversation. So that in a way I feel, I feel supported I um, heard, and I do feel like that um, I'm in a space that is open for change. Not many people can say the same. Right, right. Well, so now that we good. see that that's... So Taylor, sorry, come see Ain't Too Proud on Broadway when we open in 2045. Um, <laughs> sorry, <yes>. please. <laughs> <laughs> That's twenty forty five. I'm not sure. I thought I thought it was Marika who was getting ready to speak. Oh no! I was just saying that we see that that can happen. So now we have mm-hmm. a blueprint. Now we have evidence, and those are the those are the things that give us hope. You know, moving mm-hmm. forward because we know that it can happen. So let's do it again. So right. that was that right. was pretty much it, yeah. Yeah. After um I wanted to ask you, um, can you introduce us to the Black Theater Coalition and tell us a little bit about um what's it all about and what you guys do? <laughs> yes. Um so Black Theater Coalition um is a Newly founded organization, um, founded by some of probably y'all's colleagues in the theater, uh, T. Oliver Reed and Warren Adams, um, started to identify, obviously, the injustices and the inequities in Broadway and the American theater um, last year, last summer, and as COVID hit, we're in this moment of a pause, really gave them the momentum, but also the time to really start to dive more deeply into the history behind theater or the history in theater and the history in Broadway and the data around black creatives on stage as well as off stage. Because we see all of the beautifulness that is the melanin and all of the blackness that is on stage, but we oftentimes, sometimes, forget about what's happening off stage. We forget about the general managers, the casting directors, the producers, the um, designers, wigs, makeup, lighting. And so they came together and founded Black Theater Coalition, which um, our values are to mobilize, implement, and transform Broadway and American theater. Um, Our mission statement, I think, is really important in this conversation. Um, I apologize, I forget who mentioned it earlier, about inclusion being um, a, a buzzword, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our mission statement is, to remove the illusion of inclusion um, in American theater by building a sustainable and ethical roadmap that will increase employment opportunities for black theater professionals. Um, And we envision this happening through an ecosystem um, by reshaping the ecosystem of theater um, and really giving the equitable place at the table for those who have been marginalized by systemically racist and by and biased job states. Um, so what we are doing is working within the industry, um, theater industry, to find partners, accomplices, as we call them, to really come to the table and say, hey, I, ex-director of ex-Broadway show, agree and commit to not having an all-white creative team. I, ex 
general management company agree to hiring a full-time fellow, a full-time apprentice in my office that is more than just getting coffee and picking up my lunch. I agree to providing tangible skill building opportunities for emerging artists. I fill in the blank higher education uh, institution agree to work with BTC to create a pathway for those emerging artists. Um, and so we are working in the industry to identify those accomplices and have made really great strides with that. Um, and to form a fellowship initiative uh, and program out of that. And so our goal is to employ between 30 and 60 individuals every year to fill out the ecosystem of Broadway and theater. And like I said, that does not only include who you see on stage, but it includes everyone off stage and it includes everyone off off stage in their offices making these decisions because as we've mentioned here already if you are not in the room where the decisions are being made you don't have even an ear at the door let alone a seat at the table and so we have to change that construct and we have to change that climate to where individuals are in the room where decisions are being made and they're not just in the room taking notes but they have more than a seat at the table, they have a microphone and the volume is turned up. So, you know, they are being listened to, they are being heard. Um, so that is BTC in a very, maybe vague nutshell, but we are, um, <laughs> you can visit our website um, and we have some really fantastic things that are, um, will be announced soon hopefully we'll be producing a uh, a forum similar to this with T Oliver Reed and Warren Adams and Re uh, Reggie Van Lee who is our found, uh, another founding member and our board chair to talk more about the initiatives of BTC and also to introduce y'all to some of the um, partners and accomplices uh, on this fading great white way and when I say fading I mean the white part is fading <laughs> now I know we've talked about some of this but what are some changes that you guys think that need to take place in the theater industry I think uh, yes uh, I think that the folks who are obviously making the decisions who have been in these positions for 10, 15, 20, 25 years should really, really step down. Um, it is uh, nepotism at its best, which is exhausting and horrifying. Um, there is no room for any type of innovation or change when you have artistic directors who have been artistic directors of theater companies for half of my lifetime. Um, mm -hmm. it, 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 just, it, it just perpetuates the problem. Um, that's what I think is one of the very many things that needs to happen um, to help to change the industry. Well, my thing is this. I don't know if I would force anyone to step down rather than to open their eyes and to, and to see different and to think different and to think inclusive and not just hire somebody because they're black, hire someone because, or brown, whatever color, hire them because they're the best and can and, and add value to your vision. And that is my thing. I don't want to be another token. I don't want to be another quote. Yes. One, mm -hmm. I want value. I want value, and I want I want to be heard. I don't want to just be seen. Yeah, I so agree. That, change, that is the change that I think should be prominent. Is is really doing your research and 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 really adding people to your roster that's going to you know ruffle the feathers and 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 patch up the foundation because it was built up on a certain you know color belief and system. Let's fix that. And let's add people that are going to, to fix that with care and with the future in mind. 
I absolutely hear you on that, and I want to add to that. Um, yes, and the problem with adding those people to the roster is that black and brown people historically are not set up in a fat, uh, are not set up in a way to be successful to be added to that roster. What do I mean by that? You have all of these organizations who have internships from here to kingdom to kingdom come. They have 15 interns that walk in and out of that office in a year's time. And their compensation is either zero, a lunch card, or Metro card, or some combination of the three. And that is not a position that many black and brown artists or people can find themselves in because they have to, they're not in a financial situation to forego a job that pays in order to get the experience they need to be added to someone's roster. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, it just is this vicious cycle. And so therefore we are already cut out of the equation. And that is exactly what has been happening and perpetuated over years and years when it comes to um, the performing arts period. And this is not a shameless plug for BTC, but it kind of is. But that is what, you know, BTC is trying to do to change the, to shift the atmosphere with that is to have individuals who are being paid a wage that allows them to focus 100% on working in whatever fill-in-the-blank office or whatever fill-in-the-blank theater it is doing the thing that they're doing and they don't have to leave at 5 p.m. to go work their night job or they don't have to not be at the theater on the weekend and go to that cocktail hour reception because they have to work their weekend job. Um, And so, yes, hire the black person, the brown person, what have you, who is best for the job, whose artistry you respect, that you value, whose voice needs to be heard and you want to hear it. But we have to be able to have a pathway for those black and brown individuals and creatives to come through to be in a position to be added to someone's roster because right now very few are in the position to be added to the roster because we're not even in the purview, not even close to being in the purview of our white industry gatekeepers. Jan and Marika, what do you think needs to happen, needs to change? Um, I, it, I'm in the same position. I just, I think we just need to listen. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I also think, um, you know, we were, I, I'm thinking of, you know, the powers that be, the producers, the money people. There are a lot of, um, you know, people who would invest. You know, I mean, start engaging these, you know, these younger athletes, um, getting them interested in producing good theater. You know, um, it also it, it starts in um, starts in high. It, it starts when the kids are young. Uh, last year was my first year going to the district festival in Florida and it's a it's a big thing. And it was funny because I walked in and they had these um they had these um posters from uh from the Broadway shows and it was just crazy to walk in and see, you know, my friends' names on the posters and kinda get you know, get a little excited that they had, you know, playbills and things of the sort and so there was not a lot of representation on that high school level. But when I tell you everything that you could want to do, um, script writing, um, 
design, lighting design, sound design, all of the elements of the theater were there, and you could get exposure, and you could get um, you could get into it, like stage managing, all of that stuff. I I feel like um, you know this is an opportunity for um, for artists and for people that are on Broadway to to reach back and start getting getting the younger generation um, interested in getting them interested in the theater and um yeah i mean it's it's a it's a lot that needs to be worked on because when we think about the entertainment industry it was essentially you know black folks shugging a job for white people and then you know it shifted because our mindset shifted you know the movements happens the renaissance you know the black the harlem renaissance happened the civil rights happened and we those were times where we could take our t- our power back. And I think now is a shift where we can take our power back. So those who have finally gotten their foot in the door, while I don't want to tell anybody how to how to spend their money at the same time, you reap what you sow. And if you continue to sow into you know the next generation of theater producers of 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 crew of orchestra then that will come around and be a blessing for your career you know what i'm saying um yeah that's i know it's a little it's a little scattered but i yeah those are some of the things that i i kind of feel need to happen <laughs> What do you think, Jen? Well, I feel like um, I agree with Marika, again, with the education and things like that, because um, I feel like also there's a lot of shows that um, you're telling a story about black people, but then behind the scenes there's no one black at the helm. And I think that needs to be really studied and addressed as far as, you know, who your customer is or who your um, makeup and hair person and things like that. And then if, if, if not, and if it is someone that's not of color, then they should be um, – well versed in how to deal with working with people of color. I guess I get a little tired of of you know finding people that get the job, but then you have no idea of, of the people that you're working with and different textures of hair and you know how to deal with people. So I feel like there just needs to be a full on education of everything, not just you just get the job. Right. Right. So what what do you all think about, um, or I should say, what advice do you all have for others who may be coming into the industry behind you? Like, what advice do you have for them on how to on how to uh, navigate this um, industry during these times? Well, I hope that I would educate not. myself as much as possible. What did you say? Totally. I hope that they won't have to be in these times. Right. Yeah, that's what I hope. Yeah. I hope people are taking this time to educate themselves on things that they don't know about. That's what I've been doing. Period. And I think that would just make you better, you know, just moving forward. I agree. I think that people need to realize their value, and know that. Um, and like Jen said, really educate themselves and be prepared because this is their opportunity to, you know, really. Come in, come in equal, not having to work yeah. for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. My advice would be all of that, and anyone coming in um, to be obnoxiously prepared. You know, mm-hmm. from educating yourself to uh, knowing how to do all of the jobs of all of your colleagues and counterparts, um, 
better than they do. You know, it's it's kind of like that saying that we all grew up hearing that we have to be twice as good as everyone else. But and there is some value in that. Um, and I suppose it's it's less uh, it it should be less out of fear and more out mm-hmm. of pride and um, awareness and preparedness because. If if we open up the floodgate and we prepare the table for everybody to come in, all the black creatives, all the brown creatives to come in and feast, when they get to the table, they have to have their their fork and knife. If we're having steak, you can't come in here with a spoon. You know, right. like, <laughs> yeah. you, when you come to the table, you have to come through that door with all of the utensils and you pull out the one that is meant for to be used at that moment. So while God, yes, I don't yeah. want anyone coming in behind me to have to go through half of what we've all been through to get to this point. And this point is not even like the golden point, you know, um, mm-hmm. but when, but when they do come in, when, when, when we have, like I said, prepare this table and and we are ready to feast. I need everybody to come in with the, now I'm going to get real churchy on you, with the full armor of like the full Christian <laughs> armor, Amen. the whole the thing. Full armor, and the the plate of righteousness. And the menu. Right. Yes, all of it. Yes. With an entree or you can come a la carte. And you better you better believe I'm going to order dessert at the end as well. So that's like what I want for That's what I want for everyone. You know, I don't want my children and not even my children. I mean, I don't want my mentees who, you know, I try to help in the industry to have it as as hard as we have, you know, and they're fighting their own battles. Um, But I, I, when they get here, I need them to be prepared and ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would like them to be realistic and healthy. Um and have Amen. therapists and counselors on call. Um, I need them not to rest on compliments of their BFFs. Oh, honey, you're fierce. You're totally fierce. Kick your face. Yes, honey. But you haven't <laughs> been consistently in the gym. You haven't been consistently in class. And you don't know who you are. So, um, yes. Realistic and healthy, and ready Mar- for. Marky, don't and, come for me on the radio. Don't come for me on the radio, please. Oh, honey, hit dog collar. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm in class. I'm learning every day. Okay, I will not plateau. Listen, I will rise like the is... phoenix. <laughs> Y'all, we can yeah, do this because we work together. We work together for the listeners. We work together. I'm just teasing her, but she's right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and it's it's really interesting. Um Jelani and and um and Jen and I worked together and um I was out on tour for maybe um for about 9ish years and it wasn't until I left it took me an extremely long time to decompress and to mm. um and to mm. break down mm. To rebuild mm. and um it gave me a great perspective on you know on how I couldn't tell somebody to you know what sustained me because um, you know one of my friends calls he was like well how did you did you live like a nun and I said well yeah I did but I wasn't I, I wasn't, you know, one of the young ones who popped right out of college and went straight, you know, to performing. Um, I didn't go straight out of high school to performing. I was kinda grown and I had gotten mm-hmm. the partying out of my system. I was, you know, trying to be fiscally responsible and so my mindset was different than those who were just starting out and and, and getting ready to explore life. You know, I had my grown grown friends, I had my grown grown family you know, so I would sit and I would watch, you know, because you can't tell people how to live their lives. But I would sit and watch, and, the, and just the one thing that I learned is, like, you got to be healthy, mind, body, soul. 
you know, mm-hmm. because it's consistency that gives you longevity. Um, mm-hmm. You can be as popular, you everybody can love you all day long, but if you don't love yourself enough to get in that gym and be stronger than your show, mm-hmm. then you're going to be sugar and just fall apart when it rains. True. So, um, yeah, true. And, 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 and to have a, a good, honest support system, not friends that gas you up, but friends mm-hmm. that will, will, will call you up and cuss you out and say, I haven't seen you in class, I'm right outside your door, let's go, point blank, period. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. that we're in a time where we're seeing what's essential, what we really need, and what we really don't need, then we can mm-hmm. come out without a whole lot of fluff. We're mm. learning who loves us for us in these dark places and mm-hmm. who's capable of being there, you know, and we can compartmentalize because everybody's, you know, we're we're all grieving, we're all traumatized, but we're learning how to have more grace with one another. So we're seeing um we're seeing one another at our most vulnerable, you know, at our most transparent. So That's true. we have a better Very understanding true. of who is, you, you know, of who's really for us, who can be there for us, who can't be there for us, why they can't be there for us. And if they're not, you know, maybe they'll be there for us afterwards, you know. But this is a this is a great time of assessment. It really mm-hmm. is. But, yeah, to be, to be healthy Absolutely. and consistent and, yes. Yes, yeah. Marika. Mm-hmm. I think what you, what you, what inspired me is that you're saying that like this is our time to do it for each other and to show up for each other and to educate and empower each other and to keep keep each other accountable and inspired and ready to be at the mm-hmm. to, to be at the table mm-hmm. when it's deserved. It is deserved to us. We we should be there, but at the end of the day, we need to we need to be there for our people. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely sounds like you all just kind of gave your like your final thoughts so I'll ask Afton because I know you have to be off at um at 10 so um do you have any final thoughts um about just the whole the whole conversation tonight oh um well first of all thank you all for such a wonderful uh conversation and thank you for uh making a place for the conversation to be had it's been really great to hear the different perspectives from everyone um, and where they are in their career and also in this industry. Um, I guess my final thoughts are, you know, once theater and Broadway comes back from being on pause, what have you, um, and we don't want to go back to the way that it was, we Mm -hmm. have to continue to hold the fire to the feet of those gatekeepers, the fire continue to hold the flame to those individuals who, like I said earlier, have said the words, but have not done the, done the actions. And we have to keep the pressure and apply the pressure. And we are in a position where we kind of have the golden ticket and we, we have a little bit of the upper hand and we are in a position to hopefully be heard. And I just would encourage us all to, doesn't matter what theater is coming back, when it's coming back, if it's March, if it's April, if it's June, do not let the slippery slope show its, ugly head and allow people to revert back to what was getting them by the first time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. We just and got to, just, we gotta stay on it. We have to stay mm-hmm. on it. That's I, my I only think of it fear like, um, is I just don't want this to just be a phase and then yeah. I hate when people say I, I'm I'll be so happy when it gets back to normal. I don't want back to normal. Yeah. Back to you know normal what I mean? not working. No. I don't want back to normal. I want something different. Yeah. I think of it like um, a pilot light, you know, that's always consistently burning and 
you know, when it goes out, your hot water is not coming on, but <laughs> or or your right. is not going to click over. But that's what I think of, and like you know, I think of us just keeping and applying that pressure. And I think of John Lewis and you know, ne- like necessary trouble, just not not allowing folks and this industry to oh the money's coming back in okay let's let's stand this back up mm-hmm. the way that it was yeah yeah so absolutely what she said now what she said <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that i know that Aston has to have to leave at a certain time so just you know just Go if you have to, but there is a caller on the line. I just want to bring the caller in really quickly. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hey, hey, um, Denise and Janice. This is Megan. I enjoy your shows. Um, hey, you. everyone. Hey. And, um, hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and I'm just listening in. Um, you know, as I transition full time into um, makeup artistry, it's just wowing me just hearing the conversation and um, coming from, you know, more of a doing business background. But it's like it's just the same things. Like you know, I I talk with my friends. I'm like, wow, this is like the same thing. You have the same experiences, and I'm just I think my thought process is. You know, you we have to like really start calling people out, like it, like like really addressing the issue, like you know, of course in a professional way, but really start addressing this issue and um, like in mid sentence so that they don't think that it's okay um, and that they are offending somebody else because um, I know that I've had to do that in a professional way and it's like you know. I didn't feel bad about it. I was like, you know, I think a lot of times we, we go on with life and we kind of know right from wrong or the things or the microaggressions. And, you know, at that point, I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of tired of that, it's that there's no excuse. You said it, so you kind of, you should know kind of, you know, what's going on here. So I appreciate these talks and, um, you know, please keep them coming because it's, it's definitely, I think that it's helpful. Well, we yeah, thank you for listening. Thank totally. You for Absolutely. Don't let anybody thank you, you and continue to, to, oh, no to keep painting and to keep being an artist. Don't let them steal, your, steal you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Okay. Well, with that being said, thank you all for uh, tuning in tonight. Um, we really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Uh, you know, over the last several weeks, we've just talked to different people from different parts of the entertainment uh, industry. And, of course, you know, it's the same thing going on everywhere. Um, it, it's just all over the place. And so I'm just thankful um, for you guys participating, just kind of shedding a little light on what's actually going on in your part of the industry. Um, so if anybody has like, anything they want to shout out, I know um, after mentioned the Black Theater, you know, she um, talked about going online. So if you want to just yell out that website and if anybody else has any yes. media handles or anything you want anybody to like follow you, you can, you can shout that out right now. Um. Please, everybody, go check out blacktheatercoalition.org, and that is theater, T-R-E, coalition.org. Please sign up to be a part of our um, email list uh, for updates and news flashes. Um, We hope to be producing a forum in the next couple of weeks, um, like I said, with T. Oliver uh, Reed and Warren Adams and Reggie Van Lee talking more about the Black Theater Coalition and our programmatic initiatives. Uh, So please share, please love us, and keep the fight. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, Totally. My Instagram is at It's Jelani Remy. 
Um, and <laughs> thank you. For, I want to thank you for this platform to, you know, speak with intelligent and powerful and women that I respect. So it's so nice to just keep the conversation uh, flowing and uh, getting new food for thought. And for anybody out there, my phone number is – no, I'm just kidding. Uh-uh. But, uh-uh. 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 793-11. Right. This is what has to happen. Keep, keep the conversations going. <laughs> thank you. Well, so I want to say thank you, ladies, for having me back on again and again for having this platform. I think these conversations are really great, and I think – they're well needed, and I think it just gives people a different perspective of, you know, entertainment, um, you know, just the business in general of what goes around, goes on, you know, in in, in each each part of the Definitely. business. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank okay. you for sure. All right, good people. Well, that's our show for tonight. But, again, thank you very much, um, and we'll be in touch. I'm sure we will. All right. uh, I know that the Black Theater Coalition, I, I know that you guys are working on a lot of great things. So I definitely want to hear more about that. And I yes. definitely want to um, find out from you guys later on down the road, once everybody gets back into a position of where they're performing again, or um, mm-hmm. just want to know, keep up with what you guys are doing and, you know, to see how things are working for you all. So, again, Thank you very much, everyone. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you for those who listened. I see a lot of people on the phone lines. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We greatly appreciate it. Um, But everyone have a wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.